Catch the fire. Fire. Catch the fire. Welcome to Catch the Fire. I am Lisa Flood along with Susie McKenzie. Susie, it's great to be with you today. It's always great to be with you, Lisa. Let's talk about how did the Holy Spirit show up? Did you catch the fire, spread the fire, or feel the fire this week? <laughs> you know, it's always one of them, or sometimes it's all three, um, and, and even more so. Well, you know, Lisa, life moves, and it moves at a fast pace sometimes. And what I saw and how I caught the fire this last week was um, seeing the Holy Spirit, the Blessed Trinity, God, move in the hearts and minds of some women friends of mine that were all kind of going through something at the same time, same sort of situation. And I'm seeing just the manifestation of the different ways that the Holy Spirit comes alive in people, and it can be so different from the way it happens in me. And so one woman is in the stage of life with little babies, and if one's not sick, the other one's sick, and she's picking them up from school, and um, today she's homesick with 103 fever with one of them, and um, and so she's got this one experience with the Holy Spirit, and then another has um, a little like me, empty nest and grown children, and then another has the you know junior high children. And I'm just, and then the occupations of the husbands and the families are all different, but I'm seeing how God is so creative, so diverse, and he moves and they all learn things. So I can't be any more specific than that, but I guess I caught the fire of seeing, wow, God really like has infinite creativity in how he moves. I love it. Yeah, like I can't script it. (laughs) Well, Susie, for me this week, it was trusting the fire of the prompting of the Holy Spirit. And Susie, you know how teeny tiny AirPods are? Teeny tiny? Well, my youngest son lost his AirPods and he needed them. And for 48 hours, we, we did an all points bulletin search throughout the house for these teeny tiny AirPods. And the time was drawing near where he really needed them. For something special. So went to mass and I literally, you know, said, Holy Spirit, you know where the AirPods are. We could track them and we knew they were in the house. We knew that, but we didn't know where. So I said, you know where they are. Would you just please show me and guide me? Literally, Susie, I go home and I feel this little prompting in, <laughs> inside to go upstairs to our media room where my son told me, mom, I didn't have them up there, but felt prompted to go look upstairs. So I go upstairs and I hear in my heart, look in the sofa. Well, okay. Well, that's, you wouldn't think that was a big deal. So I I pull off the pillows, all the pillows off of the sofa and I hear, keep going. Well, underneath where the pillows are, there's this white covering flap and I heard, pull it back. I'm literally hearing this as I pull it back and in the rings of the sofa is the case of the AirPods. Now, Susie, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not crazy. Like when you really pray (laughs) and you ask the Holy spirit, speak to me, he does. Now I, I knew that my son said he didn't have them upstairs, but they weren't just in the sofa. They were like underneath the flap buried in the rings and the Holy spirit knew where they were. I followed his prompting 
and he answered my prayers. Lisa, that is crazy. I know. So I blew up the family text message in the the next three minutes telling everybody how the Holy Spirit had answered our prayer, you know, and and this is where they were. And, And my son said, oh my gosh, mom, I didn't use them upstairs, but they were in my pocket and I guess they fell out and somehow got lodged in there. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. And the Holy Spirit gave you step-by-step instructions. (laughs) Yes, I like when he does that. (laughs) After two days of running around on my own trying to find them, why didn't I just ask him from the start? Exactly. Why don't we just do it the first time? You know, we pray that way sometimes, Lisa. But guess what? We Catholics also do something really crazy. Like, we pray with Scripture sometimes, don't we? You know, Susie, we, we joke about that because some people... A lot of people think Catholics don't really pray with Scripture. Oh my gosh, I pray with Scripture every day. I don't know where my life would be without praying with Scripture. You know, Lisa, every day I read my Magnificat, and um, there's always that one Scripture, and it's it's like a mimicking of the divine office, the daily office that priests pray, but it's a condensed version. And um, it there's that one Scripture in between I believe it's right before the responsorial psalm, and it's usually from the New Testament, but sometimes the Old. And I'm telling you, that scripture just embeds itself in my heart and speaks to me. And I pray with it. Like, I read it out loud to myself. I read it inside. I'll write it down. And I pray with it and ask God, okay, what, what's in here for me? Why is this striking me and grabbing me? I love that you said you pray it out loud because... While I love praying at the Adoration Chapel, I also love praying in my prayer chair in my home when I'm by myself, because that's what I'll do, especially if if there's a particular struggle, I will find a scripture that speaks to my heart and I will speak it out loud over the situation. And I will, you know, just one of my favorite things to do is to say, it is written. And I'm just reminding myself, just like Jesus did when he was tempted in the desert, it is written. And I'm, you know, I am, sometimes I'm screaming it, Susie, and sometimes I'm softly saying it. But saying and praying scripture out loud really, I mean, it strengthens me. Well, that is so good to hear, Lisa, because then I'm not crazy because I say these things out loud all the time. I say, get behind me, Satan. And Jesus said that in scripture to Peter, no less. So what what do you think happens in you when you say these things out loud. I'm curious to know from you, what changes? You know, my my spirit lifts, my attitude changes. There is something very powerful and healing about praying with the Word of God. And I wish, Susie, that, um, that I had known this earlier, and I love to share this with Catholic men, women, young and old. Pray with Scripture. Speak it aloud. Proclaim it. I mean, it's God's word. Well, and you know, I remember when I was coming back to the church and I went to some different classes and it was Tim Staples that led them. And in his conversion, he said, you know, I always thought that, and I was always taught that Catholics like don't read the Bible, you know, or don't believe in scripture. He said, and I went to my first mass. I believe it was him who said that. If I'm wrong, I'm sorry. Um, (laughs) He said, and it's all scripture. The mass is all scripture. So we really are immersed in scripture without knowing it as Catholics, I think. Yes, Susie, I'm glad you said that because that um, I learned that after coming back to the church that at every mass, I mean, when I really focused on, oh my gosh, look what's coming from the Old Testament. Look, look Look at the gospel. Look at this New Testament reading. It, look at the Psalm. It is 
Scripture. Right. And it's, it's all tied together. You know, we go from Old Testament tying into the new, the development, the connection between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. It's all there. And there are reasons why certain scriptures are picked and put together. And so not only do we pray it when we're sitting in our prayer chairs and reading scripture, we're also immersed in it in the sacrifice of the Mass. We absolutely are. We absolutely are, Susie. I love that we're talking about praying with Scripture. All right, we're coming up against a break. We'll be right back. I'm Lisa Flood along with Susie McKenzie on Catch the Fire. I went to church and just sat there and listened. I really didn't absorb anything. I think I just found myself believing that I didn't need God. I just had everything under control, and church was actually a a burden to me. I had this sin that I carried in my heart for a long time, and I told myself for many, many years that the Lord wouldn't forgive me for this. When, When Father in the confessional says, your sins are forgiven, there truly is a, a feeling of, of weight lifted off. I don't care if it's two or three little sins that you're carrying, there's a feeling of I can breathe deeply again. I feel pure inside and I'm, and I'm ready to come to Mass. You can have a beautiful car, a big fancy home. If you don't have Christ in your life, there's an emptiness that's there. When you come home to the, to the church, you're coming home to a Catholic family where people today just embrace you. If you've been away from the Catholic Church for whatever reason, we invite you to take another look. Visit catholicscomehome.org today. Welcome back to Catch the Fire. I'm Susie McKenzie here with Lisa Flood, and we have Janice Charbonnet on today. Janice is going to share with us just all about the feminine genius, so you will know everything there is to know when we're done about being a holy Catholic woman. Right, Janice? That's a tall order, Susie. I'll yeah. try my best. Yeah, we like, we like to joke like that here. <laughs> Catch the fire. No pressure. No pressure. Well, Janice, yeah, no pressure. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, no pressure at all. Janice, um, when we were talking on the phone, like, hey, this is what we're going to talk about on Catch the Fire, you, you mm-hmm. gave me a little bit of info about your upbringing and then how you went into college and started questioning mm-hmm. things. Could we start there with... Sure. Yeah, just take take yeah. the ball and go. That was good. Well, I grew up in Canada on the East Coast in a beautiful Catholic family, and um, I ended up going to university um, to a place where the student population was 80% female. So it had a really strong women's studies program, and I didn't study women's studies. I studied public relations, but... Feminist thought and feminist theory definitely flavored the whole campus, and that was the first time that I really started to hear about the women's movement and what feminism was. Um, And then after I graduated, I got a job working for a politician in Canada, and she had a cabinet position um, in the province of New Brunswick. And one of her files that she was responsible for was this portfolio that the government called the status of women. And so, lo and behold, that was the file that I was assigned to. And so I did her public relations and her communications. And so what was kind of theory and interesting talk to listen to in the hallways of university suddenly became my daily diet by necessity because that was my job, was to learn all about the feminist movement and about the state of women and state of womanhood and government policies that might be affecting women in a positive or a negative way to kind of delve deeper into that. And so she and I 
would travel through the province as part of our responsibilities, meeting with all these different women's groups to hear about their concerns. And uh, it, we met from you know, everywhere from, you know, uh, women's groups like the CWL to uh, teachers associations to different other service organizations, even the staff of abortion centers. I mean, we, uh, uh, women's shelters, like we really met with a broad range of women. And so through all that experience, um, you know, I was, I was learning lots about the feminist movement and, and hearing kind of the word on the street about what people thought about the Catholic Church and how it treats women. Um, and, of course, you know, there was all kinds of talk about the fact that the Catholic Church is marginalizing women and doesn't appreciate her gifts because she won't uh, let women into positions of authority and whatnot. But, honestly, I really didn't know what the truth was because uh, I didn't really know my faith very well. I, you know, I loved Jesus, but I wasn't very well catechized. And so I just had all these questions and didn't really know. So then in my early 20s, that's when I really kind of gave my life to the Lord in a, in a complete and deep way, just really surrendering my life to Him and had a reversion back to the faith. And as part of that, I started to take my faith more seriously and really try to learn more about what it is, you know, why we do what it is that we do. And I just found such beauty in the teachings of the Church and in the sacraments and all the beautiful traditions and, you know, relearning Scripture all over again in a different way. And uh, But there was one sticking point for me, and that was everything to do with women's issues. And you know, I just found myself with this um, kind of misunderstanding and this fear that maybe this word on the street that I had been hearing for years, maybe that was true. Maybe that really was how the Church was seeing women. And it kind of—I let it kind of fester. It never occurred to me to go to the documents to find out what it was that the Church taught. I just kind of kept, you know, wringing my hands over it and— and just feeling more and more angst about it until it kind of came to a head. And, let me yeah. let me interrupt you for a second, yeah, because I want to know, like, what was the turning point for you where you went from, you know, kind of wrestling with it and, and not really sure mm-hmm. to, oh, wow, I wish I had known this a long time ago about what Holy Mother Church says about me as a woman and my role. Absolutely. Well, it was on my knees in a church and kind of having this moment of being really honest with the Lord and kind of shaking my fist at Him and saying, okay, why in particular women in the priesthood? I did not want to be a priest, but it bothered me that the Church that I could not be a priest, even if I wanted to, you know. And so I'm kind of pointing my finger at the tabernacle going, what is it about me as a woman that is unacceptable to you um, to serve you in this role? And I heard nothing back from him. It was a very quiet prayer time until a few days later. I can't remember how. I wish I could, but I can't remember how I came across the document, but I somehow got my hands on John Paul II's letter to women called On the Dignity and Vocation of Women. And in Latin, it's Mulieris Dignitatem. And boy, I tell you, this document, I read it, and I just, it's tear-stained. I dripped all over this document as I was reading it. It was the most beautiful thing that I had ever heard, and it just it took my preconceived notions of what the church, what I thought the church thought about women, and busted them wide open. And what John Paul II says about women was so much more gorgeous than you know what anything I could ever hope. It was beautiful. 
Janice, I love that you just shook your fist at Jesus. Susie, can you, like, I've done that before, too. Don't you love that she did that? (laughs) I have. And what I really like is when you said, what is it about me that you find unsuitable? And that just cuts to the core, I think, of Mm -hmm. where we have to start. Because Mm -hmm. that's not, it's not that that the church or Christ, our Lord, sees us as inadequate in any way. Mm, and yet, mm-mm. but that's where we go, right? That's where right. we go in our heads. Absolutely. And I think Absolutely. that's partially yeah. what drives the um, the anger at the church, yeah. because that's right. where women go, is you think right. I'm inadequate, right? Right? Oh, that is right. absolutely where, it, yeah. where the anger comes it, it, from. That's where it comes from. And so you took that moment. You're reading Willieris Dictatum, and then then what? Like, where do you go from there? Right. So I, just reading through the document, and so honestly, I kind of scanned it. I mean, he said all the things that I needed to say, but I was really looking for that kernel of information, like explain, explain why I can't be ordained a priest. And then once I got that answer, and it just blew me away, then I reread it again to really soak in all the other details. But I was astounded at what the church um, says about why it is the way that we do things. And it's this whole idea of the priest stands at the altar in personas Christi, so in the place of Christ as a male. And there is a lot to be said for, you know, what's called historical constancy. So, yes, Jesus did choose all males as apostles. And so we need to be faithful to the practicalities of that, that he chose that on purpose. And so we need to be constant with that. But there's this whole other deeper meaning of. Jesus representing the bridegroom because he desires such intimacy with us that he describes it in in a nuptial relationship where he just wants to have that kind of spousal closeness. And so the priest stands in the position of the bridegroom, and the congregation stands in the position of the bride, and that's men and women included. So the congregation's role in the liturgy is this position of female receptivity, because when we approach the the Lord, it's always in a posture of receptivity, where the bridegroom initiates the love and initiates the life-giving, and the bride receives the life-giving and receives the love and nurtures that in the sacraments and gives birth to new members in the Church. When it was explained that way, I thought, holy cow, this is incredible. It was such a beautiful view of femininity and a beautiful view of the liturgy that I had never heard before. Because all I had heard was, well, that's just the way it's always been done. And so this just painted such a gorgeous panorama. And I thought, well, that's something that I can get behind because it really speaks to my dignity as a woman, and the whole notion of the Church holding up women, then, as a model in that posture to take before the Lord. So not that we want to feminize the faith. You know, the Church loves manly men, but when it comes to the posture we are to take before God, it's a posture of receptivity, because everything we have comes from Him. And the Church says, if you want to know how to stand before the Lord, Look at women and do what they do naturally. Okay, hold it right there, because I'm thinking of every time I have heard someone say, and honestly, I'm, I'm guilty of this at one point in my life, 
I just don't get mm-hmm. the mass and I don't understand it and I don't get anything out of it. I want to say what Janice just said or what the Pope just said, what the Pope said that, I mean, Janice, come on, many of us who went to Catholic the whole way, Catholic schools the whole way through, never really right. understood the beauty and that gift. Right. Yeah. Well, a lot of us don't know. And I really, this document, along with many other church documents, are kind of this incredible secret treasure. That's really what I felt when I found the document. And if someone had suggested to me before, you know, you should read a church document, I probably would have sighed and gone, oh, do I have to? Yeah, that doesn't <laughs> sound too exciting. I'm not a theologian. I'm not any kind of brilliant scholar. But if you have an issue with something that you don't understand, don't just go by the word on the street and don't go by rumor. You really need to take it upon yourself to dig deeper. And there's nothing I have found in my faith life where if I have an issue, I go into finding where the truth is. Nothing doesn't stand up. Like the church can handle all that questioning. It can handle all that challenge because that's the truth. You know, the truth is rock solid. It's this foundation that we can stand on. And so I would just encourage people, if you have that doubt, if you have those questions, like take it to the Lord in prayer and then do your homework and dig up those documents because all the answers are there. Thank God. You said something about digging and we do have a tendency to just believe what we hear out there as opposed to going to the source, you know, well, let's find out what the church really says. And okay, then if I still walk away going, yeah, 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 you know, my friends were right (laughs) and the school was right, then fine. But know the other side. I often, Janice, I would tell my daughter, she went through something a few years ago and I said, what we can learn from this, and she was the victim of something. And I said, is that Mm -hmm. we never, you don't believe the first side of the story that you hear. You've got to go to the other side because she was victimized by something of people believing something that wasn't true at all, like not even close to what the situation was. And she, to this day, says, Mom, that's been one of the best things of of realizing that you just don't believe that first thing you hear. You don't have to be rude about it, but you just say, okay, I'm just going to investigate. I'm going to go dig. Janice, I love as you're talking, you're making it really clear. You know, you're obviously a, a beautiful woman of faith. It's okay to question God. It is okay to wrestle. Like, really, it's okay. We don't have to hide our questions from him. Instead, you're telling us, run to him, and he'll, he'll answer just as he did for you. Right. It's important to be real with God. Otherwise, it's not a real relationship, right? Like, if you think of it, you know, what you're just describing, Susie, about the advice that you're giving to your children or... Um, spouses and the way that they relate to each other, like it has to be real. And if one is hurt by the other, you have to have that conversation to get to the truth so you can move into deeper levels. And I think that's the same thing in our relationship with the Lord. It has to be honest. Um, You have to be real with Him so that He can heal you and answer your questions and take you to a deeper place. And that's really what the document was all about for me. Like it was just this door that opened. And as I get older, the document means different things to me, and it um, it strikes me in different ways as my vocation grows and, you know, going from a single person to married and having kids. And I think especially, too, in this day and age, with the culture is the way that it is, what I love about this document is I think it's becoming more and more timely because it's suggesting a mission for women that I really think is going to be coming into play in the in the next decades to come in terms of healing people. Because when I think about how far people are straying from God's truth, the more sin there is, 
the more hurt there is in the world. And that's why sin is sin, is because God tells us, well, it's harmful to you, and so that's why I'm declaring it a sin. So the more people fall away from God's laws, the more people will be heartbroken and enter stage left the woman with all of her incredible, nurturing, natural, prophetic gifts as well that the Church says that we have. And that's going to be so important going forward, is for us to be field nurses in these field hospitals as Pope Francis has, you know, has this beautiful allegory of the church being like a field hospital, bringing healing to wounded soldiers in this, you know, combat called life, and enter these heroic field nurses with their backpacks full of tools that they can use to bring life and to bring healing where there is hopelessness and, and woundedness. I love that. Field nurses mm-hmm. in the hospital. Yes, and he did say that. Well, Janice... What one thing would you leave us with when you say, what can women do to discover their potential, to understand the beauty of receptivity? What's one thing you might recommend? I think um, a few things. One would be to go to the document, get your hands on it, on the dignity and vocation of women, and take a, a read through it and you know, sit with your highlighter and underline what you think really strikes you and what the Lord might be telling you. Go to the Lord with the question, how do you see me as a woman, and how do I see myself as a woman? Thank you so much for sharing your research, your life experience on the feminine genius, and for being with us on Catch the Fire. Lisa, I'm fascinated by some of the words she used and the verbiage she used. You know, I I think there was big picture information here and specific information to our role as women. The big picture that strikes me is exactly what she said. When you don't understand something, when you wrestle, like ask Jesus about it, pray about it, and then go to the source. Go to the church documents. What does what does the church really say about this? That's the question to be answered. Well, right. And the whole shaking your fist at God, I mean, why not? If I'm, I'm doing it on the inside, I mean, he knows. I can't hide anything from him. I finally realized that one day. It's like, you know, you and I were saying, reading scripture out loud. It's like, I can't hide it from him. What am I trying to do? Clean myself up to go to him? <laughs> like, no, if I'm feeling like I want to shake my fist and say, I don't understand this, why not say it out loud and struggle with it? And then, as Janice said, Tell me how you see me or tell me how you see the situation, Lord. Susie, he's going to answer. She has opened my eyes, Lisa. I think I'm going to be talking to God a little bit differently from now on. (laughs) (laughs) So, Lisa, like I feel like Janice was my spark, but we always give a spark because we just want to set the world on fire. Do you have a spark for our people? Any woman who has driven around High school athletes will appreciate what I'm about to say, or any man for that matter, because dads drive carpool too. Susie, I found some great air freshener that kind of masks (laughs) the lacrosse gear smell. (laughs) Actually, it's at Bath and Body Works, and it's called Rosewater and Ivy Air Freshener. And of course, so I think of Our Lady with roses and you know, it just, I love the scent. It makes my car smell good. And when I have the stinky gear bags in my car from when we're traveling on the road, it just helps. And Lisa, <laughs> let me tell you, those stinky gear bags, I mean, that is fragrant, baby. I know. I mean, it comes in and just knocks you dead. 
Wow, that's a great discovery. Well, you know, my spark is going to be um, a rediscovery of something that we did when we were had little babies, and now we're like in another phase in life, and we have rediscovered. Well, I lived in California when my kids were babies, so we've rediscovered both Trader Joe's and Costco. Um, <laughs> both I good. Love both those places. We used to go like every Saturday morning, get a hot dog, buy all the things we didn't need in huge, vast quantities. <laughs> well, now we need loads of like protein beef meat, you know, food, like copious amounts of food because we have adult children back at home. So yes, rediscover the joys of bulk shopping <laughs> and the fun of going to Trader Joe's. Well, that is They it. have great flowers too. They, they do. And the prices are amazing. That is it for Catch the Fire. We just hope that we have encouraged you to go out there to spread the fire, catch the fire, be the fire. Catch the Fire is a production of Catholic Community Radio.